Well, hello everyone. Happy December. Uh, this is the last of the messages in this series, Getting Serious About the Simple Things. I want to talk to us today, all of us, about hope and how we are to get serious again about hope. If you listen to the, some of the uh, wording of the intro video, we heard this. As God's people, we're never hopeless or helpless. Even in the most difficult days, Jesus remains true and constant despite all the shaking. Now, I'm sure you'd agree, man, there's been a lot of shaking. Our lives are being shaken. The world is being shaken. Life, life feels so fragile right now. Do you know what? It always has been fragile. It always is fragile. But now more than ever, we are acutely aware that our lives are fragile. Now, we're probably all feeling vulnerable. You're probably feeling vulnerable in some way. So it's important that we, we know again, where, where does our hope come from? Where do we root our hope? So that's what we're going to be looking at through this message today. Friends, I want to say that we are not hopeless. We are not hopeless. And I know, I know, I know sometimes it can feel there's loads of situations in our lives that feel pretty hopeless at times. Proverbs 13, 12. You don't need to turn there. It'll come up on the screen. It's a short verse. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Many of you are familiar with this verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But longing fulfilled is actually a tree of life. You know, hope is a, an, an awaiting expectation, an anticipation of something on the horizon we're longing for. And whenever this is <clears throat> paused, or stunted, or prolonged, or set aside, or put off, whatever that might be, something in our hearts feel weak. The feeling of weakness within, this sickness within, you know, disappointment literally leaves our hearts, the core of who we are, that inner, inner person, the inner you, feeling sick. Listen to some of these other translations of the same verse. The message paraphrase translation says, Unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick. <clears throat> Unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick. Good news translation. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. That's so powerful, isn't it? When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. The inward you slumps. You know, hopelessness can literally make us feel like we're being squeezed. We're being crushed within you know, the reality is we, we live in a time and a culture and a place where we're conditioned to expect things immediately, instantly, whatever that might be. And whenever there's any form of waiting, uh, setbacks, it can leave us affected within. It certainly does for me. Think about your life. It certainly does with me. Whatever that might be, that's so easy for hope to be deferred, for my heart to feel crushed. That could be small things. Like waiting in the line. We, we want to jump to the, the shortest queue. And I know this is menial to stuff, but, but because we don't want to wait, there's no sense of wanting to wait. It could be sat in traffic. Man, some of you commute or used to commute a lot. And that sense of your hope being robbed, man, I'm feeling like perplexed because I'm sat for hours in traffic. Maybe it's waiting on the phone. You are now caller 3002. You know, that hope gets robbed, right? I'm a, I'm a huge football fan, as I take any opportunity to let people know. I, I hate it when it's the international break, because I love the Premier League. I, I hate it when players are injured, uh, uh, when players are not fit. You know, this is just small, menial things. But then 
there's huge things as well, such as dreams that might be prolonged or, or, or that, that haven't happened. What I mean also by that is maybe there's been prophetic words over our lives, over your life, that you've not yet walked into. It's not yet happened. And there's something about this that's made your heart sick. Maybe it's a person, a friend, a family member that, that you've been praying for for years and years and years to encounter Jesus and it just hasn't happened. It's hope deferred. Maybe it's a job not yet found. You're longing for this job or it's a job that's not found. It's finances that aren't found. Maybe it's a relationship that's either not yet formed or has fallen apart. And there's this hope that's been robbed. Maybe it's an anxiety Maybe it's a, a mental health issue. Maybe it's depression, something you've been praying for for years that's just not lifted. Maybe it's a sickness that's not yet been healed. For you or a family member, a friend, you've contended and contended and contended, but nothing is shifting. You know, I've, I feel like I've got a ton of personal experience with this. You know, I've, I've experienced grief in my life like many of you have. And this time of year reminds me that a few years ago now, we, we, we got a phone call from some really dear friends of ours, I think it was almost Christmas Eve or something, that my friend was being, uh, having, having tests done for, for the possibility of having leukemia, and he found out Christmas Eve, I think. Turns out he did have leukemia, and he died literally a few months later. And, and man, we, we were hurting. It, man, I was gutted. My heart sank. My heart still is sad about it, if I think about it. But you know what? We hoped, we believed, we prayed, and my friend still died. So it could be something very menial, like waiting in line, or something huge, like we've lost someone. Or we're praying and nothing's shifting, and it makes our hearts sick. It makes us feel crushed within. The point is, whatever it might be, any sense of hope being deferred, prolonged, can affect us on the inside. So let me ask you, friends, a question. What does hope look like for you? What are you hoping for? What does it feel like to be you right now? What are you hoping for? What are you believing for? A job, financer, a friend, a family member, a dream. What are you hoping for? Maybe, what are you scared to hope for? Because it didn't happen last time. Maybe what have you given up hope for? Let me encourage you. It's time to hope again. To put your hope in Jesus again. The second part of this proverb, it says, but longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You ever waited for something? Have you ever waited, looked forward to something really special? Maybe an incredible holiday or a significant birthday or seeing a family member, a friend that you've not seen for a long time. Whatever it might be, you've waited. There's this anticipation and you're looking forward to it happening. This, but it's this anticipation that keeps you going. It's this anticipation that's filling you with, with longing within. It's kind of fulfilling something because you know on the horizon that's going to happen. So that's keeping you going. It's keeping you focused. And you, you're kind of thinking, oh, I can't wait. I'm counting down the days. Well, you know what? That's what we need to do as followers of Jesus. We need to put our longing and our anticipation firmly rooted in our future hope in Jesus, our eternal hope that is secure and never going to be robbed from us in Jesus. Looking forward to that special day, living in anticipation, counting down the days. You know, the big picture, God's big storyline, if you like, 
He called a people, the people of Israel, and they waited and waited and waited for the promised one, for the Messiah. They waited generations for this one that would come and set them free from their enemies, the one that would come and make all things right again. And they waited a long time, and they suffered and suffered, and they made mistakes, but they waited and waited and waited in, in anticipation. And now we're in this season of Advent, aren't we? Which, which literally means coming, coming. There's a person coming. And we know that this signif- significant period of time represents hope has arrived. This, this person, Jesus, has arrived. And he came in the strangest of ways. You know the story, and many of you will. The promised one, born in absolute obscurity to a, a peasant teenage girl, a virgin, the Virgin Mary, a teenager. He was born in humility and in poverty and in, in, in total obscurity. Absolutely nothing like people expected. But through his life and his ministry and his death on a cross and his resurrection into new life, he has set in motion new life for humanity. Anyone who would receive him. New creation. Jesus died upon a cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again. He ascended to the Father in glory. And we are now eagerly awaiting his return to make all things new. And in the meantime, he has sent the Spirit. As Sarah so brilliantly talked about last last week, a few weeks ago, this come Holy Spirit. We're living now with the, the presence of God with us and we can say, come Holy Spirit in every environment we're in, in our own lives. The one who lives within, the one who empowers us within, the one who continues to pour God's love into our hearts, the one who continues to remind you that you're adopted, that you're chosen, that you're loved, that you're valued, that you're cherished, that you're accepted, that you're welcomed, that you're a forever loved child of God. The Holy Spirit left for us as a deposit. Ephesians says that it's the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, is the Holy Spirit that has been given to us as a deposit or a guarantee of our inheritance to come. I love this. Basically, God's given us himself, his presence, in effect as assurance to say, I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. And there's this beautiful phrase, I think Sarah might have picked up on it a few weeks ago, Colossians 1.27, where it says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So you know where hope is? It's in you and it's Jesus Christ and he is the hope within you and he is the hope of glory. You know, the book of Revelation, the last chapter, closes with these words, the spirit and the bride say come. I love that. All of history is pointing to this time. Come, come Lord Jesus. Come again to us, Lord Jesus. Return to us, Lord Jesus. This is the anticipation that we're all longing for and waiting for come again and this my dear friends is where we need to root our hope and this is where our longing will be fulfilled and I think our future hope this incredible inheritance that we will receive eternal joy with Jesus forever 
this eternal hope, this future hope, is really what needs to root us into our current hope, into living lives right now. That's how we hold on. That's how we press on. That's how we keep going. That's how we endure and persevere, as I said a few weeks ago, knowing that that's our future hope. You see, the Christian faith isn't this. It isn't, fingers crossed, let's just hope for the best. No, no. It is a hope-rooted, sure, secure, confident, and a certainty in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Friends, I need you to know. I need you to know that Jesus is your hope and he is firm and he is fixed and he is secure. He is not going anywhere. You see, when, when life is stacked against us, when we're fighting against all odds, and many of you are, we're hearing some horrible stories of people fighting for their lives and people really sick. When life is stacked against us, despite all the shaking and the uncertainty of life, we can still have hope. Because hope is a person, and that person is Jesus, and he is going nowhere. Let me read us something from Romans 4. Romans 4, I find this honestly fascinating, this chunk of scripture. Romans 4, 18 to 21, talks about Abraham. It says, against all hope, listen to this, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so he became the father of many nations, just as he it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without wavering or without weakening in his face, in his faith, sorry, without weakening in his face, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And Sarah's womb was as good as dead as well. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he'd promised. Abraham, although he, he said his body was as good as dead, he did not waver. He became fully persuaded that God, God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham held on to the promises of God, even when it didn't look like there was anything to hold on for. It says this, against, against hope, Abraham in hope believed. This is just absurd in the natural, this is absurd. It's, is Abraham delusional? Is he in denial? Has he lost his marbles? Is he, is he just stoic? No. He held on to the promises of God. Held on, even when life was most challenging. Like I said, his body, Sarah's womb, was as good as dead. Maybe that's how life feels for you. This situation I'm in, this situation you're in, man, it feels as good as dead. This relationship, I feel like it's over. I feel like it's as good as dead. My dream, my dream that I've longed for, it feels as good as dead. The person I'm believing for, man, it feels as good as dead. Friends, against all hope, in hope, we can believe because hope has a name and it's Jesus. Our hope is not rooted in our circumstances. It's rooted in the one who never changes, the one who's faithful, the one who is true, and the one whose promises we can fully trust. But what I do not want to do, what I absolutely don't want to do is deny or disregard our very real feelings we have. God has given us feelings to feel things. But what we mustn't do is let our feelings dictate where we put our hope. 
where we put our hope. Feelings do not stop the promises of God. They can never scupper them. We need to know that our feelings do not depend on whether God moves or not, or whether God does something or not. God says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. And our feelings do. If you're anything like me, man, my feelings feel like they go up and down with just the seasons of life, just with the, the random days, just moment by moment from one game in the Premier League. Man, my feelings go up and down. They are so fickle. But we need to remember Jesus is not fickle. He stays the same and he will never, ever change. You see, that's why we can feel safe to anchor ourselves onto Jesus because we know he's not moving. Even in the most vicious, vicious storms of life, he remains true. He remains stable. He is steadfast. He is faithful and he is good. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let's hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. I love this. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Friends, let's hold unswervingly to Jesus because he's faithful. You know, Jeremiah did this. Um, when life was challenging, uh, you, you just look through Jeremiah. Look through Lamentations. Think Le Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. If you look at uh, a lot of Lamentations, particularly chapter 3, he looked beyond his situation. Just check it out. Man, Jeremiah was a depressed man. Jeremiah suffered with just the horror of the human heart. Just he was depressed. He was flat. And he goes on. I'm going to paraphrase, but he's effectively saying, man, I'm a worm. My life is done. My life is over. Who am I? I feel like my bones are being crushed. I feel like God's abandoned me. This is what I feel but then in Lamentations 3, you have this incredible turning point, verse 21. Many of you know this. We've written songs. I haven't written songs, but there's been songs written about it. Great is your faithfulness. It says this, even though when he's in depression, when things look like they're stacked up against him, he says, yet this is what I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So friends, when you feel hopeless, be like Jeremiah. I feel like this is going on, but this is what I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. I can hear some of you singing. Well, I can't. Great is your faithfulness, I say to myself. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I'll wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. You see, hope is really learning to hold on to God even when we don't feel it or see it. Even when we don't feel or see those promises, we learn to anchor ourselves on the one who is true, the one who is faithful, and the one who is good. So just like Abraham, like Jeremiah here, and the stories in the Bible, person after person, man and woman after man and woman, we see this, people trusting in the promises of God and also calling to mind his goodness, his mercy, his compassion, his faithfulness, and his love. In you know, Romans 5 uh, the, from 3 to 5, Romans 5, 3 to 5, the second part of verse 3 says, the suffering that we go through produces perseverance, that we looked at a few weeks ago. Perseverance produces character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. One translation says, hope does not disappoint us. So we need to know that hope, our hoping God will not disappoint us. 
Your hope in Jesus will never disappoint you. So not only do we have this living hope, not only do you and I root ourselves and anchor ourselves to this living hope within Christ in us, within the hope of glory, we, we get to enjoy this hope or live in this hope for ourselves, but we also get to carry hope to the world around us. You see, I, I genuinely, I cannot even begin to imagine what life must feel like without Jesus. Man, it feel, doesn't... It does, it feels anxious. It feel, feel, I feel anxious thinking about it. I, I don't know how you'd make sense of life, especially right now, without the hope of Jesus, without Jesus in your life. Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 2.12 says, we were once people without God and without hope. Without hope and without God. Imagine what that must feel like. You see, you and I have this hope within, and it's not meant to be just stored up like a little, little reservoir that we just get to enjoy. We're meant to share it with the world around us. Colossians 1.27, Christ in us is the hope of glory. That means Christ in us is the hope for everyone around us. Christ in us is the hope for every circumstance and situation around us. Christ in you, friend, is the hope for your family, is the hope for your friends, is the hope for your workplace, is the hope for, hope for your university, is the hope as you walk down the streets into the shops. That light and that love that lives within you, Jesus Christ, is a hope for everyone around you. And I love that fact that we get to be hope bringers. We get to bring hope into people's lives, situations and circumstances where the narrative being spoken or being felt is hopelessness. We get to be hope because we carry hope. We are each his chosen carriers of hope. Listen to this in 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ, or in your hearts, set aside Jesus as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks of the reason of the hope that you have. You know, I, I love this. Set aside Christ, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. So we've got to stay prepared, but do it with gentleness and respect. I absolutely love this. We get to bring hope to the world around us, but we get to do it with gentleness and respect. What an absolute privilege. Just think about it for a moment. The king of all glory, the king of heaven and earth itself is now indwelling us. He's now come to make his home within us and, and he wants to move through our lives to bring peace and harmony and hope and love to the world around us. And he wants to do it through you. Isn't that incredible? Little old you. He wants to move through our lives. What a privilege. So through our words, through our actions, through our lives, we get to show the life of Jesus. Do you know, our lives are on display 24-7. People are watching how we live. People are watching how we respond to life how we're currently responding to this pandemic that the, the whole world is living through. Are we those that communicate hope? Are we those that are, are living in hope? Are we those that are giving hope to others? Because that's what we get to do. When the narrative looks hopeless, we get to bring hope. People are watching. People are watching. So let's show the world around us this beautiful Jesus, the hope of glory, and our living hope. Let's pray together. I want to pray over us, for us, for us as a family, 
together through these words from Romans 15. Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Dear friends, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we think you're amazing. Lord Jesus, we anchor ourselves to you, our living hope, the one that never changes, the one who remains steadfast and true and faithful and good and compassionate and full of mercy. Lord Jesus, we anchor ourselves to your goodness, to your faithfulness and to your love. I pray for me and I pray for my dear friends watching and listening that regardless of what we go through here, we will anchor ourselves to the living hope and our future hope with you in glory for all eternity. So I pray for any of us where we feel like hope is being deferred, where we feel like our hearts are feeling sick and crushed. Lord Jesus, would you, by the Spirit, just breathe life into us again? Why don't you right now, just where you're at, just ask Holy Spirit to come and breathe life into you again. Come and ask Holy Spirit, where there feels like there's hopelessness, come and bring hope. Just give a moment to do that. Lord, come. Lord, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and make Jesus a reality in our hearts. Come and make hope live again in our hearts. Come and make hope reign again in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.